Okay, welcome to our Bible study again today. Today we'll be starting a new chapter in the book of Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be in Matthew 23 and we'll be covering verses 1 through 12. If you remember, um, the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, the last uh, probably several chapters have been after Jesus. Um, they've been trying to trick him up trying to get him to say the wrong thing so he can get arrested by the Roman government. But Jesus, because he's God, God in the flesh, he always had an answer and he always quoted the truth of God. He always quoted scripture. And we found out last week that Jesus responded to a question that they had and Jesus responded with the word of God. And the Bible says that the religious leaders turned and walked away and they didn't answer. They didn't ask or or wanted to trap him anymore with questions. So what we're going to see in today's lesson is there's a group of people around Jesus. Because remember, everywhere Jesus went, there was groups of people. Not just one group, but several groups of people. And his disciples, obviously. And Jesus is going to tell these groups of people, these crowds, different crowds. And he's going to point out to them the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the scribes. In other words... He's just going to call them out like it is and just tell them they're hypocrites. They preach the word, but they really don't live by the word, right? And that's what really today's lesson is on. So with that being said, open up your Bibles to Matthew 23, verses 1 through 12, starting with verse 1. Verse 1 says this, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples. Now, we're not just speaking to a small group of people here, right? Because the Gospels want to tell us right here that the word crowds, if you look, is in plural, which means he spoke to numerous crowds, many people from different communities, different backgrounds, different areas, different cultures, right? Uh, wealthy people, poor people, healthy people, uh, sick people. It didn't matter. The, the point is, is that it just wasn't a small crowd. It was a large crowd and many different types of peoples involved in this crowd. So what he had to say here just wasn't relevant to one particular group of people. It was relevant for everyone that was there that day to hear. And it's also relevant for us today. Verse 2. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So Jesus says this. He turns to the crowds and he says this. The teachers of the law, meaning the scribes, the Sadducees, and the Pharisees, he says, sit on Moses' seat. Now, let's talk a little bit about the seat of Moses, right? Moses' seat is a name given to a particular chair of honor in a synagogue, right? Where, where the rabbi or the teacher or interpreter of the law of Moses, where he sits and he reads the law. So he sits down in this chair and he pulls out the scrolls and he reads directly from the law of Moses, Right? The law of Moses is the first five books of our testament. Understand this that the scribes, that's all that they read. They just read the first five books of our testament. They called it the Tanakh, the Torah, the old Hebrew Bible. That's all they read, that's all they believed in. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they also read the law of Moses, the first five books of our Old Testament, the Tanakh. But they also studied the prophets. And we said this the last couple of weeks that 
The scribes did not believe in the resurrection, but the Pharisees did believe in the resurrection. Why? Because they read the prophets, right? So we see that the scribes were looked upon as being recognized as experts in the law of Moses. While the Pharisees, you can say, were the spokesmen for the unwritten or oral law or tradition. In other words, they called it the laws of the elders. The tradition of the laws of the elders. So, right here in Matthew 23, 2, Jesus, he did not challenge the teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees, right? Which he did often in other occasions, but right now he's focusing on the fact that their lives are not in harmony with their exalted profession of being godly. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they profess full loyalty to the scriptures, but they fail to act on its principles. Their righteous actions consisted, right? It consisted of attention of their, their ceremonial and ritual requirements rather than the true word of God itself. Matter, In other words, they put tradition, they, they, they put uh, ritual ceremony requirements above or on the same level, you can say, as the law of God. The law of Moses. And Jesus is going to call them out on this. And we see this throughout the gospel of Matthew. Matthew 9.13 says this. But go and learn what this means. This is Jesus talking. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. For I have not come to call the righteous. But I came to call sinners. Right? And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came for all of us, for you and me, because we all fall short of the glory of God. We all sinners. And, and Jesus says, I didn't come for the righteous, because none of us is righteous. Only God, only Jesus is righteous. We can try to live a righteous life, and how you live a righteous life is by having a relationship with Jesus. How you live a righteous life is by praying every day and repenting of sins every day. Right And trying to live by the word of God and implementing the word of God in your life and doing the will of the Father. That's how we try to live a righteous life. But Jesus says, I came not to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. So it doesn't matter what you did in your past. It doesn't matter what you maybe you just did yesterday. Right? If you repent of your sins and you have a relationship with Jesus, then Jesus says, I'll come for you. I'll come to save you. You have a chance to be redeemed. You have a chance to enter into the kingdom of heaven, into the kingdom of God, if you just know me on a personal level. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, 36, the Pharisees and the scribes, they came to Jesus. Now, these are teachers of the law. These are godly men supposed to be. They come to Jesus and they say, teacher, rabbi, they say. Which is the greatest commandment of the law? Now they knew the law and they knew what the greatest commandment is. And we know what the greatest commandment is because Jesus says the greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? And Jesus says this. There's a second one that love your neighbor as yourself. Right? But they come to him and they try to trick him because they got their own agenda behind what they want to do. And Jesus says, you're supposed to live a godly and holy life. You're supposed to try to walk in righteousness according to what the law of Moses says, according to what God says. But they didn't do that. Matthew 23, 23 says this. This is Jesus speaking. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Look what Jesus calls them. You hypocrites. 
You give a tenth of your spices, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former, right? Because the Pharisees and Sadducees, what they wanted to do, they wanted to condemn. They wanted to judge. And I'm going to tell you this, we're not the judge. There's only one judge, and that's Jesus Christ, right? We're not the judge. We don't condemn people. And Jesus calls them out on this. And Jesus says, instead of condemning people, instead of judging people, right, instead of looking towards the negative at people, he says, what you need to do is show mercy. You need, you need to show a little bit of compassion and love. And you need to show faithfulness towards me, towards the Father, but towards people, right? Love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus says, right? Let's take the woman that's caught in the act of adultery, right? They come, they bring the scribes and the Pharisees bring them to Jesus. They bring her to Jesus and they say, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses said, you see, they always went back to the law of Moses because that's what they knew. They thought the law of Moses, you had to follow it to a T. But Jesus came to say, you know what? I didn't come to abandon the law of Moses, but I came to add to it. I came to show grace, mercy, and compassion. I came for the sinners. I didn't come for the righteous people. Because oh, we all make mistakes. We're all going to fall short of God's glory that He has in store for us. But Jesus said, that's okay because that's why I'm here. I'm here to redeem you, right? I'm here to save you. I'm here to lift you up. And they come to Jesus with the woman and they say, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, to put her to death. So tell us, teacher, what do you think? And you know what Jesus is doing? Jesus is writing. And I believe He was writing the Ten Commandments. And He's writing on the ground. Jesus, tell us. Tell us, teacher. What do you think? They say. And Jesus looked up and said, you'd have never sinned and cast the first stone, right? I mean, everybody sins. Everybody's sinful. And, and the Bible says, starting with the oldest to the youngest, starting with the elders, one by one they dropped their stone because they knew that they were just as sinful, right? Then Jesus Looked up at the woman after they all left, and he says, where are all y'all condemners? You know, they, they all condemn you. And she says, no my, no, my Lord, they have not. And Jesus said, neither do I. Now go and sin no more, right? See, Jesus forgave. Because Jesus is, 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 a, is a loving Father that shows compassion and mercy, right? He shows forgiveness to those who seek forgiveness, those who want forgiveness, right? So Jesus is pointing out to them, I came to save sinners. I didn't come for the righteous, right? Sort of what we hear all the time, right? A hospital is what? It's for sick people. It's not for healthy people, right? Same thing with a church, right? Church should be for people that are, are sinners and know they are sinners. And they come to ask Jesus for redemption, to be forgiven. Amen? So we see that Jesus here supported his teachings. He supported his teachings on the principle of truth, not on man-made laws, not on man-made traditions, on rituals, on, 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 you know, on man-made things. He spoke the word of God. He spoke the truth of God. You see, and today, there are people, there are churches that hear when they elevate their traditions to equality of Scripture, so to speak, right? They're even claiming that their traditions are essential to salvation. 
thus leading people away from the truths of the Bible. You see, every church or every religion has their man-made rules. They have their traditions, so to speak. But this is the problem. It's when you put in practice these man-made rules over the truth of God, over the word of God, right? That's where the problem comes in. The word and the truth of God should always come before man-made rules, before man-made tradition, right? And we can go back to what Jesus said earlier in, in, in a lesson a couple of weeks ago where Jesus says, Give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God. In other words, when man's law or rule comes in conflict with God, this is Jesus saying this, this is not me. When man's law or rules come in conflict with the word of God, Jesus says you always should choose and obey the word of God. This is why Jesus said in Mark 7, 7, But in vain do they worship me. Teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. Jesus says in Matthew 15, 8, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, right? You might hear people, people that may be religious, so to speak, right? They may say they love Jesus. They may go to church every day, and they may spend time in prayer in church every day, and they, they, they're religious, but the minute they get out of church, boy, they're the first one to gossip. Or they're the first one to condemn. They're the first one to point the finger, right? They're just like these Pharisees and scribes, right? And Jesus says, they honor me with their lips. But boy, their heart is far from me because they don't have an intimate relationship with Jesus. They know religion, just like these scribes, just like these Pharisees did. They knew the law of Moses. They knew the traditions of the elders. And they took that law and they took the traditions of the elder and they twisted it, right, to benefit their narrative, so to speak. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the seed of Moses. Let's go back to this seed of Moses, right? See, modern archaeologists today, I did a little bit of research and I've discovered this. Modern archaeologists have discovered that ancient Jewish synagogues, they had actual chairs in which the teacher, the rabbi, the interpreter of the law sat down and he would teach. So if you go to the northern part of Israel today, it's not just in Jerusalem, but it's throughout all of Israel. If you go to the northern part of, of Israel today, you can find these seats throughout Israel, not just in Jerusalem, not just in Judah, so to speak, but, but all uh, throughout Israel. Right, And it's even in places where the people didn't believe. Because if you remember, there was three places in particular, three areas that Jesus went that they did not believe the miracles that Jesus did. Right? Capernaum, Bethsaida, and Chorazin. They didn't believe that. But today you can find the seed of Moses in these places. Right? So it was called the seed of Moses because this is where people where they taught the law of Moses, they sat down. They revealed, they, 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 they shared the commandments of God, right? The law that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai that day that we read about in the book of Exodus, right? So we see that these people, they were in synagogues, not just in Judah, but all over Israel. So these scribes and these Pharisees, they would sit in these synagogues in this chair, 
all over Israel, right? And if you Google and you look, you can look at pictures, you can find pictures online. If you Google, right, the seed of Moses, pictures of the seed of Moses, it will show you exactly what this seed of Moses looks like. Verse 3. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. So Jesus is saying here, when they sit on this seat of Moses and they preach the law of Moses, in other words, the law of God, he said, you, you can listen to them because they're right. They're speaking the truth, right? Now, I want you to understand this. The scribes and the Pharisees, they weren't popular among the people of Israel. And you might ask why. Because they were extremely, extremely prideful. They did everything for their own interests. They really weren't servants of God. And therefore, they were not truly respected by the people of Israel. Right? Understand this. They were spiritual leaders. God had anointed these people to go to the nation of Israel and to get to the nation of Israel so they can proclaim to the world about God, but more importantly, to accept His Son Jesus as the Messiah. But they neglected that. They failed to do that. Right? So you can say they really weren't servants of God. So they really did not truly were respected by the people. Right? But Jesus is teaching us a principle here. And this is the message that Jesus wants us to see. That when truth comes, in other words, the truth of God, when it's being taught by people we don't like, it means that it, it, it doesn't give us freedom to just turn them off, to ignore them. That's what he's saying here, right? Because these individuals, they had power. They had authority. And Jesus says when they sit on the seat of Moses, they speak in the truth of God because they speak in the word of God, the law of Moses. And therefore, Jesus says, when they're teaching you these commandments, Listen to him. But look what else he says. The second half of that scripture. He says, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. In other words, they say the right things, but they don't do it themselves, right? You see the Pharisees, their traditions, their interpretations, and the applications of the law had become just as important to them as the law itself. Now, I want you to understand this. Some of the laws that they had weren't bad but beneficial to the nation of Israel and to the people. But the problem was this with the religious leaders. This was the problem. There's three highlights I want to talk about here. One of them is they took these man-made rules as seriously as God's laws. That's a serious problem. Secondly, they told the people to obey the rules, but listen, they didn't obey them themselves. That's another problem. And lastly, they obeyed the, the rules not to honor God, but they, they made these rules and obeyed these rules to make themselves look good. And I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes, right? So normally Jesus, he did not condemn what they taught as far as the law goes, as far as teaching the truth of God. 
But Jesus knew the minute they stepped off this seat, they stood up and they went into the community, into the population, into the Jewish culture. Jesus says, and Jesus called them out on this many times, he called them hypocrites. See, a hypocrite, you know the truth. You, like, they know the word of God. They knew the truth of God, but they did not live the word of God. Right? They didn't do it. And God had anointed them and put them in these positions, right? To serve people. To tell them the truth. To act on the truth. Verse 4. Jesus says this. They tie up heavy. Come from some loads. And they put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So Jesus is saying their means of operating was to take these commandments of God, right? And to take it beyond what the Word of God says. That's what they were doing. But he's saying here, they really weren't interested in doing what they were teaching. Verse 5. Everything they do is done for the people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. Now let's look at that first text. Everything they do is done for people to see. So we see that they wanted to bring attention to themselves, we can say, right? You see, a wise person doesn't do this. A wise person that walks with God, that knows Jesus, right? That believes in Jesus. A wise person wants God to be the focus of their life. A true servant of God wants to lift up God. They want to praise God. They want to honor God. They want to glorify God. They don't take credit for themselves because all the credit goes to God himself and to Jesus. You see, we're just a vessel for him, right? And it should be a privilege that he wants to use us as instruments to pass on his word, to tell people about Jesus, to spread the gospel, to spread the good news, to tell them about the kingdom of heaven, right? And look at the second half of that verse. They say this, they make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. Now phylacteries in Hebrew is simply called a tefillin. And what these were, these were small boxes that was put either on their forearm or on their head. And it consisted of scriptures. It consisted of the commandments. What? And it was a reminder to them to always follow the commandments of God. Now, why do they wear this, you say? Why do they do this? Because in the Old Testament, it says that the Jews should bind their forearm and their head with this. Deuteronomy 6.8 says this. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Exodus 13.16 says this. And it will be a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord brought you out of Egypt with His mighty hand. So the Word of God commands people, the Jewish people, to keep God's Word close to their hearts. And they really took this literally, you can say, right? But you see, these prayer boxes, they became more important to them. It was more of a status issue, right? They gave them 
In other words, it's it's how they looked than the meaning behind what God had told them in the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Exodus, right? Because you see these teachers, these rabbis, right? These instructors, they made theirs a little larger than everybody else. These phylacteries. And you might say, why did they do that? Because they wanted to be noticed. They were so prideful, right? They did everything they could to bring attention to themselves. You see, they wanted, they wanted the praise. They wanted to be glorified. They wanted to be honored. In other words, these weren't godly people. That's, that's what Jesus is saying here, right? Everything they did, it was to benefit themselves. And look what else he says. The tassels on their garments are long. This is found in the book of Numbers. Numbers 15, verses 37 through 41. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at. And so you will remember all the commandments of the Lord. That you may obey them. Right? In other words, you're going to always follow them. And when you see these tassels, you're going to remember the commandments of God. The commandments of the Lord. Right? And he goes on to say, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Right? So instead of having them the size of like everyone else, these phylacteries, right? And the, and the, the tassels on these garments, theirs were longer than everybody else. Right? Why did they do that? So they can stand out. So they can bring attention to themselves. So we can say that these two things, the phylacteries and the garments, the tassels, right? These were commandments that were given to them by God. Now, there's nothing wrong with these two things, right? The phylacteries and the, and, and the tassels, the garments. But here's the problem. They would make them in a way, not thinking about the purpose of them. And what was the purpose for? Because on the forearm, if you were the phylactery on the forearm, that represents effort and deeds. On the forehead, it represents thinking. So, as these Jews bind them upon their bodies and these religious leaders, they were reminded that they need to do the will of God. In other words, the teaching of God, the instructing of God, the commands of God, that they should think according to how God thinks, according to God's commands and instructions, according to the law of God. But you see, they didn't do this. Instead, they brought it upon themselves so they can grab attention for themselves, so they can get the honor and the glory, right? It was more about looks for them than representing the Word of God, representing what God had anointed them to do. God put them in that position to do. And this is one of the reasons that Jesus was opposed to these people, right? Those who took the truth and perverted it, so to speak. So, Jesus is saying this. So, as these people sit on the seat of Moses, reading the law of Moses, reading the Scriptures, even though these people are not respected right in the community what he's saying is this when they teach the truth you need to listen and you need to obey what they're saying 
But Jesus is saying this, the minute they get up, don't follow their example because they don't practice what they teach. Verse 6. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. So again, it's all about them. It's all about them being noticed, having attention being brought to them. They wanted people to know that they were important, that they had an important job in that community, in that society. Verse 7. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi, rabbi by others. Now, rabbi simply means teacher. We've said that many times. But also in Hebrew, which is the first time that I say this, rabbi means the great one, right? So Jesus is saying here they love to be called rabbi, rabbi. Why? Because they want people to know that they're great. That's what Jesus is saying here, right? So what we see in verses 5 through 7, Jesus is teaching this. Jesus exposed the hypocrites that they are, right? In other words, their attitudes, right? They know the scriptures, but they didn't live by them, right? They didn't care about being holy. They didn't care about being just, being righteous, walking a righteous life, right? They didn't care about none of this. All they wanted to, they wanted to receive people's praise. They wanted people to glorify them. And today, just like these Pharisees, right? Many people who know the Bible, they do not let it change their lives, right? They say they follow Jesus, but they really don't live their lives by Jesus' standards of love, right? People who live this way are called hypocrites, people. See, we must make sure that our actions match our beliefs, right? I mean, you might know somebody that knows the Bible or somebody that spends a lot of time in church, right? You might know somebody like that. And they might say they're all about Jesus and they love Jesus, but they don't take on the character of Jesus. And if you're a true disciple of Jesus, then you're going to try to take on his character, which means you're going to forgive people. You won't gossip. You're going to love on people. You won't condemn or judge people, right? But you see, human nature, because some of us get caught up in our flesh, what do we do? We condemn and we judge and we gossip. We spread bad things about people, right? That's what Jesus is pointing out here. That's how these Pharisees were, right? They, they wanted to condemn. They wanted to point the finger. They wanted to judge. And Jesus is saying, I'm the only judge here. The Father is the only judge. And we know that the Father is going to turn all power over into Jesus at the end times where Jesus is going to be the one to judge. Jesus is going to be the one that's going to put you where? into the lake of fire, or He's going to usher you into that narrow gate, onto that narrow road that leads to the eternal kingdom of God. Amen? So, now something else that these verses show us is this, that people desire to be in positions of leadership, right? See, not only in business, but also in church. And there's nothing wrong with this, right? Because Jesus wants us to have leadership positions, especially Christian people, right? But this is what's wrong with this. The dangers of it is when this, when the love of the position grows stronger than the loyalty to God. And this is exactly what happened to these 
religious leaders. See, again, Jesus is not against leadership, right? But he wants us to follow the word of God. He wants us to act in the truth of God and the truth of love. Verse 8. But you are not to be called rabbi. For you have one teacher. And one are all brothers. So Jesus is saying here that you only have one teacher. Speaking about the religious leaders. Right? You should not call yourself rabbi because you're not great. There's only one great one, he's saying. And that one great one is God. And because we're all in the family of God, he says, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. So we should call each other brothers and sisters, he's saying. Verse 9. And do not call anyone on this earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. So Jesus is saying here that we shouldn't call anybody on this earth father. Now, I'm not speaking about your earthly dad. Your earthly father. This is speaking about from a religious standpoint. He's saying anybody that has a religious role, anybody in a church, right? Anybody that's teaching the word of God, they should never be called father. Again, this is not me. This is Matthew 23, verse 9. This is Jesus talking. Because there's only one father, and that one father, he said, is God. Verse 10, nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, and he is the Messiah. So you see, our faith should be not in man, but our faith needs to be in the Son of God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Verse 11, the greatest among you will be your servant, he says. He says, if you want to be great, then you need to serve others. You need to love others, right? And you can't serve others if you don't love people, if you don't love your neighbor. You can't serve others if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Because you see, Jesus puts that in your heart to love people, to serve people. See, we need to be people that bless others, that encourage others. We need to have a godly influence in their lives to take part in their lives and helping them, right? To tell them about Jesus, to tell them about the kingdom of God. And how you tell them about that, some of us, it's not through our words, but through our actions. That's what Jesus is saying here. That we need to be godly people that has a positive influence on other people, especially non-believers. Now, this takes humility to do this. You need to humble yourself tremendously to do this. You see, prideful people have a problem with this. But look what he says in the last verse for today, verse 12. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So it's just that simple he's saying here, right? You see, if you have a problem with pride, and if you want to get rid of pride, you, want to, you have to call attention to yourself. You love calling attention to yourself. He says you need to put that aside, but you need to serve others. Now, it's hard for some people to do, but this is a must. He says if you want to humble yourself, you must react towards others. You must help others. You must put others before self. What did Jesus say? Jesus said you must deny self. You must pick up the cross and you must follow me. See, Jesus challenged society's norms. 
right? In other words, to him, greatness comes from serving because Jesus came to, to serve, not to be served, right? In other words, giving yourself to help God and others. Service keeps us aware of others' needs and it stops us from focusing on ourselves. And again, we must do like Jesus. Jesus came to serve, he says. I didn't come. The Son of Man, he says, didn't come to be served, but to give, to serve. And the question is this I have for you today. What kind of greatness do you seek? Do you want to serve? Or do you want to be served? See, Jesus gives us a choice. And if you really know the true Messiah, Jesus Christ, you really want to have an intimate relationship with Him and you do, then that love is going to overflow from your heart. Then you're going to want to be a people's person. You're going to want to make a difference in their life in a positive way. You're going to want to be just like Jesus. You're going to want to be a servant to others. Amen. And that ends our lesson for today. We'll be back next week continuing on in the book of Matthew chapter 23. Y'all have a blessed and wonderful week. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. God bless.